Hello from Denver and welcome to Between the Horns, presented by your Southern California Toyota dealers with senior riders Stu Jackson, DeMarco Farr, I am J.B. Long. Oh, that's Stu? I, I was going to say, Maurice looks different. <laughs> <laughs> Maurice looks good. He does look good. Svelte. Maurice will be with uh, Andrew Siciliano on your TV broadcast for preseason game number three, the Broncos and the Rams coming up 6 o'clock Pacific on Saturday. We're hanging outside the uh, the team hotel. I have... My trusty hotel pen. Nice. Love hotel pens. They get me through the season. <laughs> uh, DeMarco arriving in town. Stu, yeah. you've been here taking in these uh, joint practices. Why don't you kick us off? What do you observe between the uh, the Broncos and the Rams through two days of practice? Yeah, I think the biggest thing, honestly, is just Matthew Stafford looking sharp and like the quarterback we all remember from 2021. Um, he's reiterated it multiple times and said he's felt great physically several times. And it's shown with the throws he's made. You know, the sidearms, you know, you see all of that being able to change the angle on, you know, the launch point like he's always done. And so uh, been really impressed with that. And that's certainly been a positive to see. And then also just, you know, seeing somebody like Logan Bruss, you know, who obviously had that uh, lateral ankle sprain against the Raiders, uh, being able to get some snaps this week was was really huge and, and really important, too, I would say. Um, and also just having guys like Cooper Cup and Darion Kendrick out there has also been really big as well. I mean, there's been. A host of other things going on too, but those are really just at the top of mind as far as some of the, like the key updates and, and storylines that you know I've been following and paying attention. I'm to sure so it got louder with DK on the field. I love yeah. the way that guy plays, and Darian I love the way Kendrick. he talks too. Darion Kendrick, absolutely. Uh, the best part about him is he's good. The other part about him is he'll tell you he's good. So that's awesome. I love the confidence. And Bruss is going through it, isn't he? You know, when little kids dream about playing in the NFL, they never talk about the injury bug and how you have to fight back from that. So. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how tough he is. But I wonder, with all these quarterbacks, the, the TV shows and the hard knocks about Aaron Rodgers and listening to the quarterbacks, is, is it disrespectful to put Matthew Stafford in the top 10, or should it be higher? Well, if I'm not mistaken, his peers didn't even vote him a top 100 player in the league this wow. year, right? I mean, that's just one thing that we could point to in terms of how everyone's suffering from recency bias. But, Stu, correct me if I'm wrong. From what I saw today, even if you weren't following the football, you could tell just by the Rams' body language that the offense, at least, is ready for Seattle in week one. Absolutely. I mean, just even seeing a couple of the deep completions that Stafford had to Van Jefferson down the field, that easily 35, 40-yard gains. Um, you looked at the way that you know Cam, uh, Cam Akers and Kyron Williams were running the ball and also even making plays as pass catchers at different points throughout practice. Uh, you know, all things that are really encouraging to see. And it's, uh, the offensive line is, is still, you know, working through some things, obviously, you know, as, as Joe no Boom deals with, uh, you know, what Sean McVay has said is an undisclosed injury and uh, they're erring on the side of caution with him and, uh, you know, taking, being smart as far as, you know, limiting him just to individual drills for now. But um, overall, uh, you know, grand scheme of things, the, the offense is, is looking pretty good. We'll dig into that offensive line in just a second, but I do want to point out, like, the local sentiment, I'm talking about those who cover the Broncos, was that the Rams dominated yesterday, and I thought they did well again today. And because the Broncos were not a good team last year, you can maybe dust that aside and say, oh, that's not a big deal. Let's not forget, they were a great defense last year. It's a good year. roster. They yeah. were a very, very good defense. Just because the Rams put a 50-burger on them on Christmas Day does not mean they didn't have a good season. And still, this roster, I think, uh, is very capable here in Denver on the defensive side. So... 
I come away encouraged. I come away very encouraged. And it could be that Sean Payton is is running them into the ground and they retired. So, I mean, you don't know this early in the season Fair. what that means when you do these practices. So, I mean, it only matters when you when you play, when you play Denver in the preseason and then in the regular season. But, you know, I mean, going back to, to Boom for a hot minute and Matthew Stafford, uh, when you get into these arguments about how the Rams are going to be, oh, you know, this is a throwaway. They're, they're tanking for a draft pick. It just drives me nuts because I keep thinking of all these passes I see Matthew Stafford making. And I know the team is young, but I'd rather have a young roster with a veteran quarterback than the other way around. So the one thing we did notice from day one, even OTAs, Matthew Stafford looks terrific. He looks like he spent the entire offseason getting ready for this. So I hope he's disrespected. I hope the offensive line stays together. I hope we find out what's ailing Joe Noteboom because I think that was the problem last year. It wasn't Stafford dropped off. is You couldn't protect the guy. Yeah. Okay, your bullpen is not always indicative of how you're going to pitch that day. Uh, how you play in the driving range doesn't mean you're going to go out and set a course record, but I'm telling you, if Matthew Stafford plays this season like he's played this summer, this is an NFC playoff team. I, I don't care what anybody thinks about this roster. I can't wait to see it uh, live and in person in Seattle coming up on September the 10th, week one. But to that question about the offensive line, uh, there's been kind of another bump in the road. And I, I think a lot of the problems the Rams have had, problems in air quotes, have been productive, healthy, like good competitions, having two viable centers, having two viable left tackles. But if they were gravitating to uh, Stu to putting Boom at right guard, they've not yet been able to synchronize with that configuration yet. Essentially four joint practices the last couple of weeks against the Raiders, now the Broncos, he hasn't been in the lineup. He's been out there, but not in the lineup. That's right. And so the, because of that, that's given some more opportunities for Tremaine Ankrum to show what he can do at, at right guard. And you know, it's gonna. It's him being there will make a difference because Sean McVay, when he was asked about it this week, if if Joe Nopum went healthy, was one of their five best offensive linemen. He said yes. He said, you know, that he has been outstanding as far as the way he's played at both guard and tackle when healthy. And so, uh, you know, when when he does get to that point where he can get back out there, especially in the team drills and the live setting, uh, you know, that's that's gonna make. Uh, a real difference. I know, DeMarco, for you, this is something we talk about all the time as far as what difference that makes on the interior when you have guards of, say, Joe Noteboom's size or even Steve Avila's size on the interior there. I imagine for you, you, you maybe feel the same way if he if he's out there. Oh, yeah. Well, Boom is athletic. Uh, he, he's got the long arms. He's a tackle, so he can get on you quick and grab onto you. So he's got that tackle athleticism. Uh, so does Tremaine Ankrum. Same thing. I mean, he's a short tackle, but he's a perfect guard if he can set himself in there. And he looks like he's doing a pretty good job. I even asked him, I said, you look pretty good at guard. Have you played this before? Nah, not really. This is new for me. I'm like, wow, it looks like you've been there a while. So that's good. But Avila was born to play guard. I mean, he's 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 a he's a phone booth with, with with cleats on, and his head is is made for ramming people, and it looks like he enjoys throwing people around. You haven't had that brand of nasty here, and I don't know how long on the offensive line, and it really stands out on film. So, I told you guys this via text. He may be the first Pro Bowl guard Sean McVay has had. Because he's going to get that name recognition by going after people. And there isn't another Aaron Donald to go after or to somebody that can, you know, come back on him. So as long as he keeps getting reps and getting his feet wet and getting up to speed of the preseason and the regular season, he's going to be just fine in their regard. Did Aaron tell you that? I hope Aaron told you that. No. I know you got good sources on the Rams. Did Aaron say this guy's going to be the Pro Bowl guard? I can watch. I can see. I can tell. The guy isn't afraid of anybody or anything. And he's mean, and I love it. So 
When you see a guy that plays to the echo of the whistle and you have to back him off and he's a rookie, yeah, that guy's going places. By the way, congratulations, Aaron and Erica, on the arrival of uh, their new son. Hey! Awesome news. Uh, he's not here with the team this week, and I think all the more encouraging that the Rams performed as well as they did head-to-head against the Broncos without the player that we considered Can to be the best on the planet. Can you name a kid Depoy? Can you name him Depoy? Defensive player that you're Depoy? No, I like it. Go ahead. Middle man, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Look, as we do get within two weeks shortly of the opener, I understand the consternation about, okay, if you're going to put Nopum in at a position that he's not specialized in previously, how much does he need to play at full speed to be comfortable going up against the Seahawks in that configuration? Hypothetically, let's just say that it is Ankrum starting week one at right guard. Maybe the optics aren't what you would hope because of the contract and the money that Nopum is making, the fact that you drafted him, but like, is it the worst thing to have him waiting in the wings either interior or at the tackle position. Oh, it's too late. Joe Nopum. Yeah, it's too late. If it, look, if he's got to rotate to the bench because you've got other players that are better than so be it, you'll take that up in the offseason. Whoever decided to, you know, pay him that. You're going to have to answer for that. But uh, if you've got two better players or three better guys or four better guys than him or if he can't stay healthy or just then, a group of five that you're more comfortable with, more synchronized. Then you got to go. And look, if if something goes wrong and you got to bring him in, that's what I'm saying. That, that's yeah. How you start is not how you finish. Absolutely. Last year taught us that more than anything, right? No doubt. I mean, look, you need a healthy five and if you can keep all five together, that used to be the hallmark of this football team. Yes. If you can get back to that, then you'll start having success that again. 17 season where they started the same five throughout the year except for the final game when they right. got to rest starters. All right, since we broke training camp in UC Irvine, I think there have been some names that have emerged, right, through two preseason games, four joint practices, two against the Raiders, two now against the Broncos. When the lights come on, sometimes gamers stand out. So I'm curious from your standpoint, gentlemen, whose uh, stature has been elevated since we broke camp in Irvine? Perhaps it might be, for me, the easy choice because it's arguably the most visible position of any on the field. But I'm going with Stetson Bennett at quarterback just because – you know, we, we saw him, you know, troubleshooting and problem solving and, and working through, you know, going through NFL reps and going against NFL speed for the first time in training camp. But then when you see him get out there in the preseason games and even here in some of these joint practice settings, you know, he's really doing a good job of bouncing back from mistakes. Uh, you know, he'll be the first to admit, especially in each of the last two games that, you know, there are some plays that well, I know for a fact that he said after the Raiders game that there were some boneheaded plays that he made and basically got away with. Um, But, you know, when he has made those plays, he's found a way to respond to that adversity by either leading a touchdown scoring drive against, um, you know, the the Raiders where he ended with a four yard touchdown run or, you know, against the Chargers, just the way he was able to bounce back after some of those early pass attempts. And again, he's also shown that here when we've watched him in these joint practices against the Broncos and the Raiders. And so. Um, you know, to me, again, it's it's one thing when you're in the practice setting, but for him to be able to show that uh, that ability to handle adversity in real time and in a live game setting is something that's encouraging, I think, if you're a rookie quarterback. Let me follow up on that. I'm jumping ahead a bit in terms of what we're going to look for in the coming days between now and when rosters have to be finalized, the initial 53-man on Tuesday. But are you saying that you're now comfortable saying Stetson Bennett is Matthew Stafford's backup, and if the Rams do choose to move forward two quarterbacks, he can be that guy? Yes, yeah, sure. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Steve. No, you're getting <laughs> I, no, I, I would. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think, I mean, bar, barring some unforeseen change or change or circumstance, I think that's very much what you're looking at now. I think, you know, at, at this point, it's a situation where you would rather go through those growing pains, if you will, and then let him kind of learn through that as as he has through these preseason games and joint practices, rather than 
maybe have him sit and wait and and not put him out there and and have him you know risk you know being facing those why do you say yes is that more about him or more about the alternatives well i think all his mistakes are coachable and man he's fun to watch he gets out of danger i like quarterbacks that are mobile and it's not too big for him you've talked to the guy you've seen him in press conferences that sec education has really you know did him well did him a solid so the nfl is not so scary for him and he has presence uh, of all the backups that have come through here i mean i i think he's got the best presence of all of them uh, the guy that stands out the most, like this guy could actually be a starter, uh, a guy that you can build around at some point. But the thing that stands out the most is in a professional football game, uh, Sean McVay is going to do the best to call the best play to put the team in, uh, in, in successful situations. But defense are, are going to do that, too. And when it breaks down, then what happens? So watching him move around and scramble to throw or scramble to scramble, scramble to make a play, his decision making in that uh, situation in game situations has been, you know, outstanding in the preseason. So to me, yeah, it's clear. That is your number two guy. Who else has stepped up through two preseason games and two weeks of joint practices for you? Well, it's the easy one. It's Trey Tomlinson. I mean, look, uh, every time he's on the field, practice or games, he makes something happen. And they keep coming after him because he's not very tall. I'm sure everybody in the box or uh, that's that's down there with binoculars saying, hey, take a shot at number six. He's only 5'8". Good luck with that. Uh, I, I love how he keeps his body in position to make plays. He's a smaller guy. These receivers are going to try to jump on him and lay on him to keep him on the ground. He runs around and makes plays. Uh, he comes up on the run. He was a little bit low, but I love his aggression there. So, yeah, he's a guy that you would think because of his size, you have him slotted in as a slot corner. Look out. This guy can play outside the numbers, too. Let me say in the secondary, uh, Quentin Lake, I think, was already in great standing. We already foresaw a role for him uh, on the game day roster for the 23 Rams. But these last couple of weeks, he's seemingly taken a step forward. I don't know if it has to do with John Johnson the third's arrival. But especially last week against the Raiders, my goodness, on special teams, he popped. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, I said this before and uh, I'll say it on. I know Ben Skoranek, I think, might be in line to be the personal protector on the punt team, which is great for Ben. He's a receiver. He's a fullback. He can be your PP. Ben Skoranek is a tough guy, but I think that has to be a defensive player if you want to go down and cover kicks. And it's got to be Quinn Lake. Hmm. He's a safety. He, he, he hunts down balls and tackles for a living. This is what you need, especially with a rookie punter with a guy with a big leg like that. So I hope that he can develop into a top-flight safety and a top-flight special teams player at the same time. A couple more. The fact that uh, Byron Young did not have to play last week to me is a good sign in terms of where he stands on the depth chart on the edge. And then Tyler Johnson, I think, uh, you know, probably a bubble candidate for me leaving training camp. But based on how he's performed largely with backup quarterbacks through two weeks of preseason, boy, it'd be a shame to see him get out of this facility, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's been a, a reliable target, especially for Stetson Bennett when they've done, uh, you know, some of the team drills and even some of the seven-on-seven seven drills uh, and joint practices. And even in the preseason, I mean, he had, what, like five catches for uh, for 70 yards in, in the first preseason game. And a, a lot of that was because of the rapport and timing with, with Stetson. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, there were a few, uh, you know, signing free agent signings this summer that, you know, maybe people didn't know, okay, like, what can we expect kind of under the radar, if you will. Um, and he's someone who's, who I, I would kind of put into that group as, who has maybe, you know, maybe faced that label or, or had that label, but now has exceeded expectations, if you will, and, and, 
put himself in position to you know be be a meaningful part of that receiver rotation. And before we started, I read your ten observations from uh, practice today, and I think you're right to point out that Cam Akers has looked great, and Kyron Williams once again sensational. But don't lose sight of Ronnie Rivers. He looks like a rostered running back to me with the way that he's played this preseason. He's tough, man. Tough and compact. I like it. He he gets straight to the point. Uh, not quick, not fast, but he's all of a sudden. All of a sudden, right up the gap. So, absolutely. That's going to be a tough deal. I mean, I remember I hate the, the, when I was a rookie, they sat us down in a room, me and Mark Boutet, and they said, look, I can't make the decision. You're going to make it for us. Whoever plays the best stays. And I went out and uh, versus San Diego and went nuts. I hope they have the same situation for running backs. Hmm. Whoever plays the best in, in your reps, whatever reps you get, will stay on this roster. Let's see how bad they compete. All right, so let's go to the next 48, 72 hours, depending on when you're watching this. Between now and then, the Rams are going to have some decisions to make, those that they haven't made already. Certainly Saturday's participation will play into that for the final few roster spots. But as we get into roster cuts, and, and this year there's just one wave. Uh, down to the 53 on Tuesday. What are some things to look out for? What tea leaves will you be reading? I, I think we were just talking about Tyler Johnson and, and the wide receivers. For me, it's that position. I mean, uh, you know, without speaking for, you know, Sean McVay or the front office, remember it, like to me, just from what I've seen, that's going to be one of your t- toughest decisions to make as far as how many you keep, because I think you could make an argument for six, you can make an argument for seven. Uh, I, I'm just really fascinated to see what they do with that position or what that position group looks like, you know, come, you know, fi- the day of the 53-man roster deadline because all of those guys, I think, have, have had a solid camp when they've been available and, will, again, will make it really tough, I think, on, on Les and company. I think you can make the case for seven at receiver, and I probably would for a lot of reasons, including you play a lot of them, right? That is your featured position. Mm-hmm. I think there are kicking game roles for some of them, like if you want to make Ben Skoranek like your – hybrid fullback, tight end, specialist, and sixth or seventh receiver, great. Maybe for Tyler Johnson or Demarcus Robinson, there's a return role to be had, something like that where you can justify, hey, we could see this player being active on game day with a helmet, and therefore we're going to go heavy at this position. Wow. How many quarterbacks are you keeping? Two? Three? You got to go light somewhere. I, th- I think I would go light at that position. Tight end? To go heavy at tight end if necessary. I like three. Necessary. I like three tight ends, don't you? Well, I think injury designation is something that I will certainly be watching between now and the weekend and Tuesday in terms of O'Shawn Mathis, who, I mean, looks like a future edge rusher. Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't wait to see that guy get in pads. Um, but we haven't seen him right. uh, in that regard yet. And where his health stands relative to some of those thresholds where you decide what roster designation makes sense, similarly for Hunter Long. Um, based on what Davis Allen did in preseason game number two, like it'd be hard to, I think, dethrone him right now as your tight end three. Uh, so what do you do with those two players in terms of how they start the year to make sure that no other team gets a chance to put them on their roster? Look, one of you guys is going to have to cover. If you're going to keep them, some, one of you guys is going to have to play special teams and really, really maximize that. That's going to be your job until you get on the field as a tight end or somewhere else. But it just depends. Where you go heavy, you're going to have to take from. And I don't think you can take from the O-line. You're going to need every nope. guy you can get. So, and you also don't want to take from the secondary. No. I, I think every one of those guys, with the exception of a few, and I heard this from their coaches, you have to trust the technique and they're watching. If you don't do the technique and you get beat, that's bad. If you do the technique and you get beat, you get beat physically. That's one thing. But it's going to be hard to cut some of those guys. And to keep who? Not for a guy that can only do one thing and just play receiver. I mean, some of these guys are going to have to, like, work in the mailroom of playing special teams and play it well to stay. 
also don't don't be afraid of the practice squad. Like when you draft 14 rookies and then you add 20 plus more in college free agency, you know that there aren't going to be enough roster spots for all of these projects. But the good news is if the rest of the league doesn't think much of your chances this year, thinks that you don't have the strongest roster, then yeah, good for you in terms of I think there's a higher percentage chance that some of the players you do have to release can make it back to your practice squad and by October, November, December, might have a chance of helping you win some games. That's especially true on special teams. And DeMarco, I know you wanted to finish there with what you've seen, especially from the punting unit so far yeah. going into week one in Seattle. Well, young roster. I know with young teams, uh, there's going to be some young moments and every game is going to be tough and tight, but not impossible to win. And I would hate that if you've got a game in hand and you blow it because you miss a kick or you outkick your coverage and it gets returned. Uh, that would just be terrible. So uh, if your young punter can learn to dial it in, and if he can't, then angle kick, punt it out of bounds. Just make sure you don't hurt the defense, hurt the football team. Place kicking, uh, look, you got one job, and I like place kickers. There, Some of those guys are my best friends, but you got one job. You got to bang it through the uprights. If not, then guess what? There's going to be five guys lining up for your job the next day. That's the way it is. So uh, teams has got to improve, and that's going from last season to this season, but it's definitely have to improve from what we've seen this preseason so far. Yeah, between now and when we speak again next week after that initial 53-man roster is made, a lot of tough decisions. But what I find interesting is the front office is going to have to, to thread a pretty fine needle here in terms of you do have some waiver wire priority this year, right, which is new for the Sean McVay Rams where someone you might be interested in comes available because all 32 teams are dealing with this reality. But you have to counter that with the financial reality that the Rams find themselves in this year, right? And then also not wanting to stunt the growth of some of these players who have had their moments this offseason uh, and you would really like to keep to develop with your coaching staff with whom they've already developed a rapport and learned some of your system. All right, a lot of unknowns, mm -hmm. including the uh, final preseason game against the Broncos from here in Denver on Saturday night. Hope you'll join us either on the TV or radio side. Sue, DeMarco, and I will be back with a whole lot more coverage next week, a loaded week. It is that gap week between the preseason and the opener in Seattle, but a whole lot to report on and to discuss as your 2023 Rams roster is formulated. All right, we'll stop there from Denver. As always, Between the Horns is presented by your Southern California Toyota dealer. Enjoy preseason game number three and the rest of your weekend.